Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Samuel. So I guess it's Samuel Day. Amen. Back here in the Old Testament. First Samuel chapter number 30. Thankful for everyone in the house of the Lord. Amen tonight. And uh, I know maybe here the former part of our service has been a little longer, but that's okay. <clears throat> that's just an observation, not a complaint. Okay. Thinking about here preaching here in the Old Testament, past few Sundays before that, been preaching out of the out of the New Testament a lot. I'm preaching out the Old Testament. It came to mind actually, Brother Mason. I was thinking about poor Brother Mason. He brought like a interlinear Bible uh, that concentrated on the Hebrew in the Old Testament, and primarily, I am a major Old Testament preacher. I love preaching out of the Old Testament. And it seems like God deals with me a lot from the Old Testament. Not that there's anything wrong with the New Testament. I love the New I love the whole Bible. But I'm just saying, typically, if you were to go through the podcast, you'll probably find that I probably preach from the Old Testament more than I do preach from the New Testament. And so Brother Mason had, he was going, you know, be practicing his Hebrew over there while I read some passage out of the Old Testament. And both, both times he brought it, or the time he brought it, I preached out of the New Testament. So I told him he's going to have to get a, a Greek, a Greek for the New Testament. He said he's not he's not there touching the Greek yet. Amen. So now I'm I'm preaching out of the Old Testament here the past couple of Sundays and hasn't has he hasn't had his interlinear Bible. So <laughs> so if he has it, you know I'm preaching out of the New Testament. <clears throat> That's just the way this kind of we got a packed going here. Amen. So we want to go to the word of the Lord. First Samuel chapter number 30. Amen. And then my wife signed him before I got up. Man, it just almost feels like old times. Anytime that she sings or or signs before I have to preach it just feel like I'm back on the road or something it's just uh, we did that oh so many services I can't even begin to count amen first Samuel chapter 30 I will be mindful of your time this morning I kind of just blew my voice and uh, I'm still please pray for me I'm still dealing with a bunch of head garbage I finished my antibiotic today and I got too busy to schedule toward the end of the month of flying and pressure and airplanes to deal with this garbage it needs to just be squeezed out now and uh, so I'm uh, just going to believe that if you enjoy me in prayer that we just go on <clears throat> and live life. Hallelujah. First Samuel 30, I'm going to read the first three verses. I do not intend to be long. That's the famous words of every preacher, right? I do not intend uh, to be long. As a matter of fact, these are, this is one of those times I really wish I had a little bit more time with the baby, you know, before it left for college. <laughs> and so that's not the case. And there are many times that's not the case. Of course, I tell uh, anybody that would ever ask me, I always tell them, I said, I ne I've never finished a sermon in my life. Never finished a sermon in my life. I always quit. You just quit. <laughs> so I've never finished a sermon. I just quit. And so here we are, I guess, having to quit early. First Samuel 30, verse number 1. And this is perhaps a story that you're familiar with. And I know sometimes that brings comfort to us whenever we are familiar you know, it's like whenever you go to those stories, Brother McGee, that, you know, 
I've read once or twice in my life and didn't even understand it then, you know, that you got to preach from. But this is a story that maybe you can identify with or understand. The Bible said, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites or the Amalekites, however wish you, you wish to pronounce it, had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Now I want to draw, I want to draw your attention just one more time, if you will, to verse number two, primarily the last the last phrase after the colon there in your Bibles, it says, these that came and attacked Ziklag, it says, they slew, I mean, they, they did not kill, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Now, I'm just really going to talk through this tonight, okay? But I feel prompting this afternoon to talk to us from verse number two about this beware being carried away they did not kill them they did not slay them they did not put them in a tomb or in the ground six feet deep but the strategy in this moment was just to carry them away and so my my plea to us tonight, and perhaps this will resonate with someone, is beware being carried away. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Will you help me pray right now? Father, I love you. Master, I pray, God, that you can take, Lord, a very simple concept and let it be an arrow that will meet the mark that needs to be met. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, tonight, Lord, I am at your mercies this evening. I depend upon you, O oh Lord. God, there is not another to depend upon but you. But I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, just a few phrases and a few words that are spoken here tonight. Lord, an idea or a concept, God, will be able to marry, God, where someone may be in their life this evening. I pray, O oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord, by your word. Let it not be my voice, God, that anyone would hear but let it be the words of the Lord. Let it be the words of Scripture. Lord Jesus, here tonight that can be conveyed and built upon in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. And the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Beware, beware being carried away. Being carried away. I say that this evening simply because every strategy, every strategy in battle, every strategy of war for that matter, every tactic of your adversary, every tactic of your enemy isn't like always the same. It differs sometimes just about when you think you have his means and ways figured out. It alters. It changes. There are times, there are times that 
uh, we know in the real life that it is the kill and the destroy type of mentality in battles and in warfare. It's taking out the opponent, taking out the adversary. I have even read at certain points of time in our histories of World War II, I think it might have been even the Battle of Iwo Jima, uh, I remember reading that one of their tactics was that they always honed in on the medics, those soldiers that were the medics on the field because their strategy was this, if they could take out the individual that's tending to those that are injured, Medic's primary responsibility is to go to where uh, missing limb or leg may be from, from explosion or such and to mend uh, that person on the battlefield. And so the enemy's uh, mind frame was this. If we can take out the one that's mending everybody else that's broken, then we have really gotten an advantage because we've not taken then just out a man, but we've taken out every individual that man can bring back to hell. And so there's a tactic that's involved and there's a strategy that's involved. And so there are times that it is the killing that has taken place. So I want us to identify tonight then simply this, that our adversary doesn't always operate the same way. And there are different tactics for different means. And he's not always going to kill. If you'll remember the scripture of John 10 and 10, it spoke in the context of, of a shepherd and a sheepfold and the sheep know his voice and it speaks God is talking about how the shepherd is the door and that he is the door to the sheepfold because whenever they were back at the house so to speak they would have a pinning in area for all the sheep and there was a very notable door uh, that was there to keep them safe but when they were out in the pasture uh, there was and bishop was preached on it and taught on it that rod and that staff that would serve as part of the pin if you will for the sheep his, his garment as another part but the shepherd was that true door but as the Lord would speak in John 10 and 10 then he speaks about if you come in any other way but by the door him being the door he says and you're the same as a thief and a robber and he transitions and he tells us in John 10 and 10 one of the things that the thief cometh not but to what to steal and to kill and to destroy and so the tactic of the adversary is not always kill and it's not always destroy. Sometimes his tactic is simply to steal. Whenever we read in our text this evening, we read of a very notable story. And I'll give you just a little background for the purpose, a man of background purposes. But David and a good group of men, several hundreds of soldiers that were devoted to him, their allegiance was made with him, had found themselves at this time really camping within the territory of the Philistines. They are camping in the territory of their adversary and their enemy, but they are acting as though they have made an alliance with their enemy. They're acting as though that they are fighting the battles of their enemy. David is going out every day with hundreds of men, and the Bible tells us this, that he's going out and he's bringing back spoil. He's bringing back some goods. And whenever he comes back, uh, the king Achish believes that he has went out fighting the enemies of the Philistines. And he's bringing home spoils from the enemies of the Philistines. But little did the king of Achish know that as David was going out fighting, 
He wasn't fighting against the enemies of the Philistines. He was fighting against the, the alliances that people had made with the Philistines. He was fighting against people that were, quote, unquote, in bed with the Philistines. And so when he's bringing back the spoils, Achish is thinking, great job, David, for fighting for us. When in reality, David is fighting for himself. Amen. He's taken from his enemy and from his adversary. And so there arises a day that the children of Israel are going to go to battle now with the king of Achish and with the Philistines. David's not going by himself with his men alone, but they are grouped together now as a whole mass. So he has a choice and a decision to make. How am I going to fight? How am I going to fight a battle alongside the Philistines and not take out the children of Israel, which are truly my people? And the ones that I belong to. There were some other people that were among the king of Achish, some of his servants, some of his people and leaders. But they were a little, they were a little suspicious about David. They were a little suspicious about his ways. And they said, Achish, what if David goes to fight alongside us? And as we are fighting against the Israelites, he turncoats on us. And he starts to fight against us. He starts to fight really alongside his people than us. I don't think it's wise. I don't think it's wise, King Achish, for David and his men to be in this battle. Preadventure that would happen and take place. And so the king told them, he said, we can't have you fight in this battle. There's some people suspicious of you. But while David has been gone, there had been given him, while a point of time, there had been given him the city of Ziklag for he and his men to dwell in and take comfort in. And their wives and their children and their tents and their belongings. And so as he has been gone to do this battle that he thought he was going to do, the Bible says a real adversary adversary of David a real adversary of the Israelites came and they burned the city of Ziklag the Amalekites came they burned the city of Ziklag with fire the women and the children were taken captives and the Bible says David and his men are returning home after realizing and being told that they would not be able to fight alongside the Philistines, they're on their way journey home. And Sister Jessup, it's almost as though they could smell the smoke before they even arrived. Before they made the last turn in the road, they could see it with their eyes billowing over their city. And no doubt their hearts sank down to their knees as they got there and realized that several things had been taken, that several things had been burned with fire and totally destroyed, only to find out as the Bible states not one not, not an animal not a beast it would seem was even slain not the women David's two wives they were not slain none of the children were slain but the Bible says that they simply carried them away because there is a strategy of the enemy that he will not necessarily kill you he just wants to carry you away from where you should be. He's not interested in bloodshed. He's not interested in annihilating you. But he believes he is most effective in your life if he can just carry you away from the place that you're expected to be. From that place of comfort and home and nurturing of, 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 of uh, common surroundings. Things that you are familiar with. His ploy is this. I don't want to kill them. I just want to carry them away from where they have been. Pastor McGee, what is it tonight that you're trying to convey? Why do I need to know this? I'll tell you why we need to know this. Because in every 
everything that I can see of Old Testament scripture, whenever the children of Israel were carried away into captivity, whether it be by the Assyrians or whether it be by the Babylonians, it always centered around, not that there was a major massacre when those moments occurred, not that there was a major onslaught. Yes, some people died, but for the most part, whenever there was captivity or whenever there was the Assyrians or the Babylonians, 70 years, all of that always centered around carrying the people away from Jerusalem. Carrying the people away from Zion. Carrying the people away from the fruitful fields. And carrying the people away from the house of worship. And carrying the people away from their sacrifice. Didn't have to kill them in Jerusalem. Just get them away from what they know to be right. Just get them away from what they... Someone say amen. He just, just wanted to carry, the, carry them away. And oftentimes, I looked even today, this carrying away episode, many times it's spoken of as being carried out of their land or carried away from their own land. It was something that they possessed, something that they owned. But there is a tragedy in being carried away. If you'll go with me tonight to Psalms 137. And verse number four, or verse number one rather, these are the verses of a group of people that had been carried away. Not killed, not slaughtered, but carried away. See, there's something about being carried away. You ask any prisoner of war. I mean, there's some that die on battlefields, but there's the stories that we can only get from those that have lived in the enemy's camp. And they can stand behind a podium on days that honor such and cause hair to stand up on the back of your neck because they're going to tell you what they didn't have. Being in a place that they wish they never had been. Amen. There's something about being carried away. So when we read Psalms 30, 137, it is the story of those that had been carried away. And this is their words, not mine. They say, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows and in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive, carried us away captive, required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Now this is the captives now. These are those that have been carried away. This is their response. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? What I'm saying tonight is this. They weren't dead. They were very much alive. They were not slain on the battlefield where they had come from, from Jerusalem, but they were now carried away to Babylon, and they are alive. Can I even say this? They are not incapable of singing. 
They're not incapable of seeing. Their, their, their voice boxes have not been removed from their body. Their chords of, of song have not been uh, removed from their body. But they are just in a place that they have been carried away from. They're at a place, amen, where they would not otherwise be had they not been carried away. And so they're capable of singing, but the Bible says they've stopped singing because they are in a strange land. They didn't stop because the ability has been taken from them. They have stopped because they've been removed from where they should be to where they ought not to be and just simply being misplaced has stolen their song. Woo! <laughs> because the, 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 the strategy of the enemy is if I can't kill them, I'll put them in a predicament where they won't want to do. That they feel like they can't do. Not that they're incapable of it, but due to their surroundings. Oh, someone say hallelujah. And so, so, so the Bible says they stopped singing. The Bible says not only that, they stopped strumming their harp. Listen, and Brother Mason can attest to this. There's something that's very important to the Jewish people, and that is their song and their music. Their song and their music, amen, for some is a daily part of their lives. That is ingrained in their culture. Their song and their music, it is who they are. That's very much ingrained in the Jewish society. And for them to be in a place where they would not, I say that with purpose, where they would not lift their voice in song and would not strum the instrument that they would daily do. That is a real tactic of the adversary because you are the walking dead, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you still got life, but you're living as though you were dead. I got to preach to somebody tonight that you got to be aware of being carried away because it would be the ploy of the devil. It would be the ploy of the adversary to carry you away to a place and carry you away to a time that you still got life, but you act like you don't have life. That you still have vitality, but you act like you can't. You have the capability, but you just don't. You got to beware of being carried away. Hallelujah. They're not dead, but their song is dead. Aha. Their song is dead. And all it took to kill their song was to carry them away from where they belonged. Oh, God. Whenever we get carried away, whoever, by whatever, It'll hinder the song that we used to sing. It'll hinder the music that we used to play. And I'm speaking figuratively here. Or harps, the Bible said. Note now, these were musicians. When they were taken away, they took their instrument with them. When they were carried away, they didn't go without their harp. They had their instrument. But the Bible says because of them not being where they used to be, they're taking that harp that used to sit so comfortable in their hands. Woo! 
that used to so fluidly run across those strings and they're taking that thing and they're hanging it on the willow. Why? Because they've been carried. They're not dead. They're not six feet under. They're just carried. You know what we mean whenever we, we say it a lot of times. You know, we start doing something all of a sudden. We, well, well, why didn't you get that fish? Well, I just got carried away. Right? What does that mean? That means you got busy doing something or something else caught your attention to distract you from what you were doing. You got to be aware of being carried away because sometimes it comes in and it's very sly it comes in and it seems harmless but what it's doing is leading you away from where you need to be where you ought to be why because it knows he'll get your song and he'll get your music and he'll get your joy and he'll get oh yeah So it's not that they didn't have an instrument, but they had an instrument that they hung them up on the willows. No music. And then almost to taunt them, the enemy say, sing us one of those songs. Sing us one of those songs of Zion. Let us hear the melody. Let us hear the words. And the enemy got the response exactly what he wanted. And that was this. How can we sing one of those songs? How can we sing, hallelujah, the Lord's song in a strange land? I present to you tonight that singing would not necessarily would have profaned the song that they would have sung. Singing would not necessarily dis, dis, dishonored the lyrics of the song that they would have sung. Nor would have singing necessarily been improper for them to do in the land of Babylon. But what it all came down to was this. It just didn't feel right right because of where they were it didn't just feel right because of where they were honey whenever you get caught up in the spirit of being carried away from where you need to be you'll simply not do some things because it just don't feel right because of where you are positionally where someone clap your hands to the Lord There are different things that will enter our lives that will prove to carry us away. We could go down the list, but it's a list that we are all familiar with and that's sometimes lesser maybe familiar with. But there, there are jobs and there are families and there are activities and there's things that can just carry you away. But what we need to do in this hour is to be aware of the tactics of the adversary. That it's not always a dagger that you're looking for. It's not always a spear or a sword that you're looking for. Sometimes you're just looking for a hand to lead you down a path. Sometimes you're just looking for some fingers that's directing you down the road away from where you have been. And so we need to arise today. Amen. But I got good news for you here this evening. I got good news for the church tonight. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 30 and verse number 18, you'll remember the story. Amen. This is one of the most dismal times of David's life. It really is. The Bible describes, and I know he had several dismal hours in his life, but this is one of the most dismal times of David's life. If you can think about being on that side of the post to know that your loved one is alive but they're just not where you are 
It's almost like somebody that has a debt, the body is presented and they can deal with closure. Because we got the body, we can have closure. But those people that are heart-wrenching are those that have missing children. And there's never been a body produced. Because what in their mind is this, they might still be alive. But they're not with me. So when we get on this side of David, he's dealing with the idea, the city has been burned. There isn't no dead bodies around here. They've just been carried away. What are they going to be subjected to? What, what are they going to go through? What, 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 what kind of torture or what kind of pain or what kind of activity or treatment are they going to receive? The Bible says that all the people that David had served, amen, at this moment was even thinkful, uh, thoughtful, and perhaps considering stoning David. This was a low time in his life. The Bible, it's at this time that the Bible says that David was greatly distressed in the Lord. It's at this moment in time that the Bible records that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This was a horrible moment in time. So David takes his call and his plea to the Lord. He says, Lord, should I pursue? Should I pursue after the Amalekites that's burned our city with fire and taken away some of our loved ones? And the Bible says that God said to him, David, you go on and pursue and you will recover all. And it's whenever we get to verse 18 that David has a group of people. They have went to pursue. And the Bible says they recovered all that had been carried away but it puts almost after the, the comma amen to bring the notation to namely also the wives and the children what are you saying tonight brother McGee the grand thing about being carried away is this you can be carried back the grand thing about being carried away is if you hung your harp on the willow, you can reach up and grab it and go back home. The grand thing about being carried away is this. If you stop singing, you can open your mouth and you can sing again. The grand What are you saying then tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying for self-evaluation tonight. If you found yourself somewhere where you don't belong, there is a hand reaching for you tonight that says, come on home, grab your song, grab your harp, and let's make some music again. This thing's not over. It's not complete. It's not done. You might have some stories to tell about your captivity, but you're still alive. Someone shout hallelujah. Stand with me here tonight. The fact of the matter is this, Bishop. Back with John 10, that they come not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Whenever you're talking in the context of the sheepfold, he knows best to not try to kill on spot. Destroy on spot. He knows his best tactic is to try to lure the sheep away from where they need to be. And quite confidently, and we all sheep. Everybody say, we all sheep. we all sheep. That's not good English, but it's good. We all sheep. We all are ignorant. 
And we all, at times, have been carried away even in the house of God from sacrifice, from worship, from service, from song, from music, from joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you can bow your heads in this place. I'm just holding up the red sign tonight. Beware of being carried away. Because we cross our arms sometimes. It's like I'm fine. I'm still living. But we're living having been carried away. I still attend church, Pastor. Everything's good, but we come. And we're here, but we're not really here. We've been carried away. Huh? I still serve in whatever capacity. I still sing a special. We sing, so to speak. But we've been carried away. How can I, how can I, Pastor? How can I sing the Lord's song in this land? See, that was the, that was the concept of the devil from the very beginning. He says, I don't have to kill them to stop their song. I just got to remove them from where they belong in order to stop it. I don't have to kill them in order to stop their playing of the music. No, no. I just got to remove them from where they belong and they'll stop because it just won't feel right to do it there. It won't seem right to do it there. I don't have to kill them for them to stop praying. I just got to remove them from where they are. Put them in a foreign land and they'll think twice about lifting up their voice in prayer. <laughs> See, that's what that's really, in a certain degree, Naaman's situation in the Old Testament. After he received his grand healing from the Lord, dipping in the Jordan seven times, and he's cleansed of his leprosy. What is it? And I preached it years ago. What is it that he asked the man of God? He said, could you give me two, two mules burdened of earth? You know what he was saying? He said, I'm serving, I'm serving under a pagan king. What am I going to do whenever we enter into his temple and he's holding on to me, trying to worship his God? What in the world am I going to... You know what he's saying? I can't lift my voice in a pagan land. He says, will you give me some earth that I can put my feet on that's attached to Israel? He felt kind of out. He felt like if he was going to go back with the victory, he wouldn't be able to proclaim the victory because of being removed. And so he was asking for earth. He was asking for some earth that could have some attachment, if you will, to Israel so that he might still lift up his voice. My plea, my desire tonight is this. That if you've not been carried away, number one, beware that you're not. But number two, if you have been carried away, you can be restored. Because it was John. It was John, the disciple John who they had put according to tradition in a lot of other books corroborate with this he was put in a pot of boiling oil to kill him to be another martyr for christ he survived the boiling oil and it's then then that we read that he was set on the aisle in the book of revelation called patmos barren desolate quaint small Right? He'd been carried away. Still like they tried to kill him and didn't do it. But so now they said, we'll carry you away to the Isle called Patmos. <laughs> this is the wonderful thing about it. 
you can always be carried back because the Bible says, you look at your Bible. It's in Revelation chapter 1. It might be verse number 10, somewhere around there. He's in Patmos. He's been carried away. It's a barren land. They've already tried to kill him. He's got the marks on his body, having had been in, in boiling oil. And he says, huh. on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. What happened? A different type of being carried away. Oh, God. And he began to hear the angel say, John, whatever I tell you, write. Write of the things that have happened, the things that are, and the things that are to come. And we have all 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. Because although a man had been carried away to a foreign land, he got carried away in the spirit and began to pin. So I don't know where your feet are planted right now. But if one spirit has carried you away, there's another spirit that can carry you back. Yes! These altars are open right now tonight. I'm making a call. I'm making a call for somebody that may have been carried away. Brother McGee, I'm not dead, but I have been silent. Brother McGee, I'm not dead, but my song has been squelched. Brother McGee, I'm not dead, but the instrument I sure used to enjoy, I've set somewhere on a tree somewhere. Sir, ma'am, the Spirit is wanting to carry you back tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is wanting to carry you back. He's wanting to put a new song in your lips. He's wanting to put a new, if you will, notation of a song upon your fingers. Hallelujah. He wants you to lift up your voice and sing. He wants you to lift up your voice and sing. Hallelujah. You can. Oh, let's talk to the Lord if we can sing tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.